The Coram Deo Church Community is a missional church rooted in historic, biblical Christianity and committed to cultural engagement. We hope the message you're about to hear spurs you to deeper reflection on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. Revelation chapter 11, verses 15 through 18. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. The word of God for the people of God. Hey everyone, good to see you. My name is Bob. I am the lead pastor here at Quorum Deo. It's great to be with you. Um, I just came back from a week in the Pacific Northwest helping and serving some churches there, so I bring you greetings from the People's Republic of Portland. <laughs> kid, I kid. I kid. Uh, hey, one thing I'm always amazed by when I come back to Quorum Day after being away is I want you guys to acknowledge the amazing musicianship that we have here. Isn't it unbelievable? Man, God has blessed us. I don't know if you noticed this, but so Kyle Christensen is left-handed and he usually plays electric guitar left-handed. This morning he's playing bass right-handed. He's like an ambidextrous and multi-instrumental guy. And then Micah was just playing drums this morning. He's usually playing guitar, but we just need him to fill in on drums. I, I also play or a number of different instruments in case you're wondering. Um, but no, God has been good to our church. It's fun to, to be here and to enjoy singing with you and enjoy the great musicians that serve us every week. A uh, quick reminder about uh, next week, Memorial Day weekend, beginning of summer. Um, and as you know, the city mask mandate expires this week. And so next week, uh, masks will not be required during worship. And so we'll let you come. Okay, well, you can be happy about that. That's fine. Um, and as a reminder, if you uh, would like to take a little slower roll into that, downstairs in the fellowship hall that we've been using as overflow for most of the year, uh, we'll remain socially distanced. And so if you just want to be able to come in that space, um, that's fine as well. Um, next week, so today we finished the current series that we're in. Next week, we welcome our friend Tim Kimberly, who's one of the Acts 29 church planters that we support. And he will be here preaching next Sunday and telling you about some of the amazing things that God is doing in one of the smallest towns in Iowa. It is an amazing story, and you're not going to want to miss Tim next week. And then, starting the week after that, we move into our summer series here at Quormdale, which is always the same. It's the Psalms. We preach through the Psalms every summer. It's been a rhythm and a, a tradition here for a long time. We start this summer in Psalm 24. Do you know why? Because we ended last summer in Psalm 23. That's right. We just go through just the next one. So uh, we'll be in Psalm 24. And one of our commitments here at Quorum Day is to raise up and train and equip men to preach. And so we use the summers to serve that purpose. And so in the next 10 weeks, 
You'll be hearing from Mike Kresnick, Ted Smith, Nick Clatterbuck, Dusty White, Isaiah Lewis, Trevor Nashlandis, Kevin Estep, and Kevin Huddleston, and also me. So that's what's happening this summer. You'll get to hear a lot of different voices preaching a lot of different psalms. It's been a lot of fun. We've been working on this series together already, and so I've seen most of the outlines, and we've been working together on what does God want to say to us through these psalms. It's really going to be fun. Um, and I'll ask you to pray for me during that season as well. Since I'm preaching a little bit less this summer, um, I'm going to be working on uh, a writing project based on a sermon series from a few years ago. Uh, and so I'll be around, but you won't see me in the pulpit quite as much. And I'd love for you to pray uh, as I give some time and attention to that. Um, let me remind you what we've been talking about then these past seven weeks. Let's get caught up in where we are and where we have been. The message of Christianity is not about getting to heaven. It's about becoming a citizen of the kingdom of God. And yes, there is a glorious future kingdom yet to come that we look forward to, but that kingdom has already begun and you're invited to enter it now through faith in Jesus Christ. The gospel is about now, not just about later. You're made for the kingdom of God. It's the reason your story feels incomplete. It's the reason your soul feels restless. It's the reason some of your achievements feel hollow when you finally achieve them. Because your soul longs for a king. Your soul longs to be part of a kingdom. And that's the story the Bible is telling from page one all the way through. What we've been doing in this series on the kingdom of God is what's called redemptive historical preaching, or preaching along the storyline of Scripture, sort of following the narrative arc of the Scriptures. There are people out there who say, hey, real Christian preaching is chapter by chapter, verse by verse, going through books of the Bible. And hey, that's great, and that's a good kind of preaching, but it's not the only way that we should preach or listen to the Word of God. We also need to understand the storyline of Scripture so that we can see how the whole Bible fits together. And that's what we've been doing in this series. So let me remind you where we've been. A lot of P words in this series. We started out talking about the priority of the kingdom of God. We began with Jesus and the apostles after the resurrection, and we learned that Jesus spoke of the kingdom of God, that this was the priority in Jesus' own ministry and in the work of the apostles. So we started there, and then we, we looked at the pattern of the kingdom of God, God's people in God's place under God's rule. Hopefully those three things are kind of burned in your memory by now. We then looked at the principle of God's kingdom, the, the principle of grace. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of grace, and we talked about how that pervades the story all the way through. Then we looked at the prelude to the kingdom, the books of kings in the Old Testament. What was this kingdom in Israel that God set up, and what was it designed to point to and show us? Then we looked at the prophets and the kingdom of God. The word of God is crucial to the kingdom of God. That's what the prophets show us. And then last week we talked about the presence of the kingdom and Jesus' announcement that the kingdom of God is here. And today we finish up talking about the paradox, the paradox of the kingdom. So if you have a Bible, open it to Mark chapter 1 and verse 15. Should sound a little familiar. Mark 1, 15. Here's what Jesus says as he comes on the scene Jesus comes and says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel, in the good news. So 
This is Jesus speaking, and what he's saying is, hey, the kingdom of God is here. It's at hand. It's available now. It's present. It has come. But I want you to hold your finger right here in Mark and flip to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, in chapter 11. So on the one hand, we have Jesus saying, the kingdom of God is at hand. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom is here. But notice Revelation 11, verse 15. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Notice that's kingdom language. By the way, the book of Revelation is, uh, is in, in series of seven. Seven is a number of completion. And so when we read about the seventh angel blowing a trumpet, this is uh, uh, an indicator, a sign that we're talking about the very end of history. Uh, and by the way, um, if, you're, if you're confused by the book of Revelation, like many people are, um, we preached through it a, f- a number of years ago, and this week in the email, you'll see a, a brand new link that our team just put together that sort of has that whole series in a little serial podcast, so that you can make your way through the book of Revelation if you'd like to. But what this, what this verse is telling us about is the end of history, and what happens at the end of history is the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. So the kingdom of God has come in Jesus, but it's also yet to come in the future. It's here, but it's not fully here. It's not finally here. And this is the paradox of the kingdom of God. If you read the Old Testament prophets at face value, here's the perspective you would tend to come away with. There is this world that we live in, this age with all of its sadness and heartache and sin and brokenness and trial and tribulation, And then one day, the prophets say, there's going to come this great intervention. The prophets call it the day of the Lord. And that's when all wrongs will be righted and all pain will be healed and we'll live in this new reality called the kingdom of God. So if you read the Old Testament prophets, it seems that this world, there's going to come a day called the day of the Lord and then we'll be in the kingdom of God. But as we read the New Testament, here's what we learn. This great intervention called the day of the Lord actually comes in two stages. It began with the life and death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it will be completed when Jesus comes again in glory to judge the living and the dead, as we professed in the Apostles' Creed. So the kingdom of God has come in Jesus but not yet in its full and final form. This this future age of the kingdom of God is breaking into this world right now in and through the person and work of Jesus. Okay, listen, this helps you understand how to read the New Testament, right? When you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you read about all the amazing things Jesus did, and you see the miracles he performed, and you see the signs and wonders that are accompanying the preaching of the kingdom of God. All of that is pointing us to the fact that this future age is breaking into this world here and now. And so we live in this in-between. We here today live after Jesus' life and death and resurrection, but before his return. And so we live in this in-between space where the kingdom of God has come, but not yet fully and finally. 
And all of that means that because of Jesus, life in this world is better than it could be, but not as good as it will be. And that's the good news. The good news of the kingdom of God is things aren't as bad as they could be, and they're not as good as they will be. That's what I want you to walk out of here this morning remembering. The kingdom of God means things aren't as bad as they could be, and they're not as good as they will be. And, and I, I phrase this kind of as a little mantra because I want you to have this to ground your existence in the world. I want you to have this little mindset that the kingdom of God means things aren't as bad as they could be, and things aren't as good as they will be. And we need all of that truth to make it through life in this difficult world. All right, quick show of hands. How many of you in this room, so I can see your hands, and if you're on the live stream, if you're downstairs, I'm sorry that I can't see your hands, but that's okay. Uh, how many of you would say that you tend to be optimists about life and about the world? How many of you are optimistic people? I love you guys. Praise the Lord, there are half, our, half the church is optimists. How many of you are more pessimistic? I'm with you guys. I really am actually really glad the room is kind of balanced. I was, I was nervous about asking that question because I thought we either have, what if we have a church full of pessimists? It'll be a really sad morning. Or if we have a church full of optimists, I'll feel really uh, like an outsider. So um, that, that's how any human community tends to break down between people who have a more optimistic view of life and people who are a little more pessimistic. And the message of the kingdom of God, friends, is good news for all of us. Um, if you tend toward pessimism, listen, you need to hear this. Because the kingdom of God has come in Jesus, things aren't as bad as they could be. The danger of pessimism is that it can quickly pull us into cynicism and into despair, where we see nothing but the brokenness and the sadness and the difficulty of life in the world. And listen, we need, in order to avoid being pulled into cynicism, we need to remember the good news of the kingdom of God is things aren't as bad as they could be. Things aren't as bad as they could be in your own soul. Listen to me. You have some real problems. You have some real wounds and selfishness and sin and brokenness in your soul and in your life. But it's important that you don't just see that. Because you belong to Jesus, listen to me, the kingdom of God is breaking in in your soul. The Holy Spirit actually is renovating your heart so that you look more and more like Christ. And sometimes it feels like that's not happening at all because it's a very slow process. But listen, it is happening. The kingdom of God is here. Things in your soul aren't as bad as they could be. Yes, there's some stuff in there that's kind of ugly to look at. But always remember when you look inside yourself that whatever you see there, the kingdom of God is breaking in there. Things aren't as bad as they could be in the church. Listen, can we be honest? The church is a messed up place, right? I love this church, but man, the church can be messy. Some of you have been hurt by the church. Some of you feel invisible in the church. Some of you are skeptical about the church. But listen to me. The kingdom of God is breaking in in the church. 
like in this community, and not just this community, but churches everywhere, the kingdom of God is breaking in. Relationships are being mended and healed. Community is being formed. Real friendships are being woven together. The scriptures, the word of God, are being read and studied and applied. People are praying for the needs of those around them and for the needs of the city. Relational beauty is taking hold and taking root. In fact, even in this church, man, every morning right across there, there's people praying for the city and for all of us and for all the things the Lord is doing among us. The kingdom of God is here. It's come. It's present. Things aren't as bad as they could be in the church. And listen, things aren't as bad as they could be in the world. There's enough bad news in the world to make even the most optimistic person discouraged, isn't there? There is bad stuff happening everywhere. Whether you read news from halfway around the world or you just get news from right next door, everywhere around us, there's a lot of bad news in the world. But listen to me. Despite all that, this world is not as bad as it could be. Lift your eyes, friends. The kingdom of God is breaking in in this world. People all around you are meeting Jesus. Churches are being planted. Little glimmers of revival are present in surprising places. I already mentioned that next week our friend Tim Kimberly will be with us, and he's going to tell you some of what God is doing in the little town of Collins, Iowa, population 431. A little farm town in the middle of Iowa. Listen to me. A church got planted there a year and a half ago, and 20% of the population of the town is coming to church. 120, 130 people showing up for worship on Sunday, and they're baptizing people almost every week. Like there's a little revival happening in a little town over there in Iowa that's a lot like the little town that you grew up in or the little town where your grandparents live. Listen to me, in the world, in this world that we actually live in, the kingdom of God is on the move. Surprising things are happening. Now listen, don't hear me minimizing the pain of life in the world. It really is bad. There are truly heartbreaking and terrible and inconsolable things that happen to us and around us. But despite that, the kingdom of God is breaking in. There are little glimmers of hope and beauty and goodness. And the good news of the kingdom of God lifts us up out of cynicism and gives us real hope. No matter how sad life in this world can be, Jesus Christ really did Live and die and rise from the dead. And the kingdom of God really is here. And God really is on the move and at work in the world. And sometimes we need to lift our eyes off of the hard things in our own lives or the hard things going on in the world around us and remember there's also beauty. There's also goodness. There's also amazing things happening. Listen, I tend to get pessimistic about the state of the church in America. Maybe you do too. Uh, I think there's lots of difficult things for the church. And then I hang out with friends from around the world and I find out that in Brazil, the gospel is moving forward so quickly. There are hundreds of churches waiting in line to join our church planting network. Like we can't bring them in fast enough because of what God's doing in places like Brazil. Brazil. 
okay, I just need to get outside my own world and my own context and remember, God's kingdom is as wide as the world. And so even when things seem difficult in our own context, in our own world, in the parts of the world that we're familiar with, God's kingdom is always on the move. Things are not as bad as they could be in you, in the church, in the world. The kingdom of God is here. Now, for those of you who tend more toward optimism, listen. Because the kingdom of God is yet to come in its fullness, things also aren't as good as they will be. Things aren't as bad as they could be, but they're not as good as they will be. The best, friends, is yet to come. And the danger of optimism is that it can tempt us toward sentimentality. Sentimentality is what happens when we want to be so optimistic that we can't admit the things that are bad and hard and difficult and broken about the world. Sentimentality is that simplistic way of thinking that says, now that I know Jesus, everything is good. Life is awesome, right? My kids sent me this YouTube video this week. Um, that's this, it's like a, a parody video of um, making fun of some modern worship songs and the way they tend to be super happy in their outlook. And so it's these people just writing this song that makes no sense and they're singing it and the, the end of the chorus, they sing this little chorus and the end of the chorus is, all my problems are gone. Like, that's what happens when you know Jesus is all your problems are gone. And listen, that's not true, is it? Though you know Jesus and though you do have real hope and real joy, all your problems are not gone. And a wrong understanding of the kingdom of God can lead us into sentimentality where, where we believe that the blessings of the kingdom of God should all be ours now and there's nothing we still have to wait and hope for. And when we start to buy into that, that everything is now, there's, the kingdom of God is only now and not yet future, we start to embrace faulty ways of thinking that sound like this. God's going to heal all of our sicknesses now. God's going to relieve all of our pain now. God's going to reconcile every relationship now. God's going to solve all of our problems now. Thank God that sometimes those things happen. But friends, listen to me. The kingdom of God hasn't come yet in all its fullness. And what that means is all your sicknesses aren't going to be healed. All your pain isn't going to be resolved. All your relationships are not going to be reconciled. All your problems aren't going to go away. Some of that will happen only in the new heavens and the new earth. And by God's grace, some of it will happen now. Things aren't as good as they will be. One day, Revelation 11 tells us, the kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. There's a new heavens and a new earth coming, and we wait for that day in hope. And every good thing we experience in the here and now, every good and beautiful thing we enjoy in life is meant to point us toward the world that is yet to come. So as people who live in the kingdom of God, all the good that we enjoy points us toward and is an opportunity to praise God for the kingdom that is yet to come, the new heavens and the new earth. 
No one says this more beautifully or more memorably than C.S. Lewis. Listen to this quote from a sermon he preached many years ago. In speaking of this desire for our own far-off country, which we find in ourselves even now, I feel a certain shyness. I am almost committing an indecency. I'm trying to rip open the inconsolable secret in each one of you. The secret which hurts so much that you take your revenge on it by calling it names like nostalgia and romanticism in adolescence. It is a desire for something that has never actually appeared in our experience, yet we cannot hide it because our experience is constantly suggesting it. The books or the music in which we thought the beauty was located will betray us if we trust them. It was not in them. It only came through them. And what came through them was longing. If they are mistaken for the thing itself, they turn into dumb idols, breaking the hearts of their worshipers. For they are not the thing itself. They are only the scent of a flower we have not found, the echo of a tune we have not heard, news from a country we have never yet visited. Friends, all the good things in this world will break your hearts if you trust them. They are just news from a better country we have yet to visit. They're the echo of a tune we've not yet heard. Because the kingdom of God is here, things aren't as bad as they could be. And because the kingdom of God is yet to come, things aren't as good as they will be. And what it means to live in the kingdom of God is to live in that tension. To hold on to the already, the real, true, good news that in Jesus Christ, God's kingdom has come. And also to hold on to the not yet. And to pray that God might, through his people, bring those just a little bit closer together. Bring a little bit more of that future kingdom to bear right now. Friend, if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. Which means your life in this world here now looks different from the people around you because you're living in a different story. You're living for another world. The horizon of your life is oriented differently. And it's the world that every human being longs for but has yet to really experience. Every Sunday when we gather together, we pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. And friends, God's intention is to answer that prayer through his people. Our calling is to bring that future just a little more into the present. To bend our little corner of the world ever so slightly toward the kingdom of God. We don't bring the kingdom of God. Jesus brings it. 
But our job as the people of Jesus is to know where the world is headed and to work backward from there. And to say, because that's where history is going, here's what it means for us to live now. So the question you should be asking is this. If the kingdom of God were to come in my household as it is in heaven, what would that look like? And how can I start living into that and anticipating that now? If the kingdom of God were to come in my high school as it is in heaven, what would that look like? And how can I be a part of that even now? If the kingdom of God were to come in my neighborhood as it is in heaven, what would that look like? And how can I be a part of that even now? How can the truth and the beauty and the goodness of the kingdom that is yet to come start taking shape in our lives now? That's what Jesus came to make possible. And that's what Jesus intends to make true and real among his people. The message of Christianity is not about getting to heaven. It's about becoming a citizen of the kingdom of God. The citizens of God's kingdom do have a real and true eternal kingdom awaiting them. But they're also called to live in that kingdom now in ways that make it visible to the watching world. And so, friend, as we close, let me make an appeal to all of you. We're at the end of this series on the kingdom of God. We've tried to give a sweeping vision of the whole Bible telling us the story that we're made for God's kingdom. We're made to be God's people in God's place, living under God's rule. That's what Jesus came to fulfill and make possible. That's what it means to belong to him. And so let me ask you this. Have you given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you entered into this kingdom by coming to Jesus and bowing the knee to him as king? If not, that's God's invitation to you. It's the life you were made for. I want to invite you to come to him, to enter this kingdom by bowing the knee to King Jesus, by becoming one of his people and enjoying that future glory that is to come, but that is really present and available for you now. Not like it will be, but really, truly present here now. Would you pray with me? God, we look forward in hope to the day when the kingdom of this world will be, become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. We look forward to the day when you come to right all wrongs, to restore what's broken, to heal all the inconsoled places in our lives. And we ask for the grace to live in the tension between what already is and what is not yet. Holy Spirit of God, I ask for those who have not yet come to Jesus in faith that this invitation into your kingdom 
might resonate deeply in their souls and that you might draw them to yourself in love and gratitude and worship. Allow our singing now. Allow our worship as your people. Allow our lives to tell the story and proclaim the goodness of your kingdom in ways that ground us in reality and in ways that become compelling to a watching world. We pray this for our good and for your glory. Amen.